live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professor, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Republican Jeannie Ives, Democrat Rush Darwish, economist Mike Miller, and Florida blogger Larry Horace in hour number two. Our program tonight coming to you from our own base at AM560 WIND Radio in Chicago. That's at Elk Grove Village, just a stone's throw from Chicago. Phone lines open 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. And again, just at the top of the show, don't worry about the top of my head. This is my injury from a couple of weeks ago. It's still a bandage, not gone away, but uh, and this is the little dot on my head that's... Uh, I don't know, Vivid Rabashame gave it to me after the interview last week. Um, I want to talk about the debt ceiling. We've talked about leading up to it for quite some time. And we've got two guests, Rush and Jeannie, are in studio with me. And they're going to join me as we listen a little bit to our economist, Mike Miller, who joins us from Bellingham, Washington. He is a longtime professor with DePaul University, and he'll be retiring at the end of this month. So, Professor, let me begin with you by asking, because we've heard about some of the cuts. A lot of the Republicans were very, they were demanding cuts. Uh, is there anything that is really a cut in this uh, debit, in this uh, debt deal? No, and that's why I'm, I was surprised that Mr. Biden was so adamant that he wasn't going to negotiate with the uh, with the Republicans. All the Republicans essentially did, they, they cut a little bit out of the IRS, but what they cut was the amount of growth. So this year we will spend roughly what we spent last year, for 24 I should say, and for 25 there will be a 1% cap on non uh, on discretionary uh, spending by the federal government, which, by the way, excludes Social Security and all those other uh, items that, that we have to buy. So we're talking about a small portion of the government's budget is going to be frozen at a 1% increase. Now, technically, if, that, uh, if there's inflation that's greater than 1%, then that means that the the budget, the government will be spending less adjusted for inflation. And the uh, they did some estimates to figure out how much will spending be less, say, next year and the year after, than it would have been had nothing changed, had Mr. Biden gotten everything he wanted. And the numbers were $55 billion and, uh, for 24 and $81 billion for 25. Now, that's out of a government that spends, what, $4.5 trillion? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a drop in the bucket. Uh, so it, it, it's going to have a minimal effect. And uh, so they did, like I say, they did go after the IRS a little bit. They are going to allow more permitting for energy, which is really good, and some pipeline stuff, mm-hmm. which, is, which is good to see that's happening. Um, and they did claw back uh, $30 billion worth of COVID money, which was not spent. And lastly, it is now clear that anybody who has a student loan and has been for uh, uh, not having to forbearance, uh, forbearance ends in August, and it for sure ends in August. And people okay. have to begin uh, paying for that. Paying for that again. And again, yeah. from a political standpoint, uh, this also takes us to January of 2025. So it gets us beyond a presidential right. election. So th- this is the last time we're going to have this debate before we elect a new president. Is that correct? Or a president? Vote on a president? 
Yeah, and it, what's interesting about it, so they didn't put a dollar value on the limit. So in other words, I'm, we're going mm -hmm. to allow the federal government to borrow $2 trillion more or $1 trillion. The federal government will borrow whatever it has to borrow to get through the next couple of years and wherever that would be in January of 2025, and then there would be another freeze on the size of the borrowing or the size of the debt, and then they would have to renegotiate. An interesting time, January, you think they would maybe do it in February or March or something like that. So it's gonna be an issue once a president is chosen, either Mr. Biden or a Republican uh, alternative, uh, they're going to have to fight this out and uh, come up with some kind of soon, thing after the soon in their administration yeah. too. Uh, I want to exactly. get react. I, I want to get political reaction from from back here. Uh, Jeannie Ives, uh, are are you happy about the deal that uh, Speaker McCarthy was able to hammer out with the White House? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, I'm pretty much a fiscal hawk, and I think that there's Democrats that are fiscal hawks, too. I don't. So you would I have mean, voted against this had you been in I Congress? I would have voted against this, but, I, I mean, I, I think overall, though, it was a McCarthy win more so than a Biden win, and for that I am thankful. I'm thankful that they put together a package, they forced the, the president to negotiate when he didn't want to, and so for McCarthy, this is a huge victory. Uh, it also says a lot about uh, the... the basically the people on both sides. Now they're calling these people extremists on both sides who voted against the yeah. bill. But I mean, the truth is, is the House measure that first passed, which was a much more better bill for the American people. I mean, does anybody want to add more debt? Does anybody think that this is sustainable long-term? No. The problem is, is where the rubber meets the road, nobody sitting at their kitchen table really understands the impact of another $4 trillion in debt. It's just too massive for them to even comprehend. Right. And unless Republicans are able to explain it, they won't be able to capitalize on this win. Rush Darwish, well, was this was was this a win for the president? Did you give Speaker McCarthy any uh, uh, any pluses for what he was able to negotiate? I did not walk away following this the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, as much as I want to build a win for the Democrat or say how bad the Republicans did, I just wasn't impressed. I mean, every time I look at the debt ceiling, my entire life, when I was ninety pounds lighter, full head of hair. Uh, I've been seeing our national debt continue to increase. When I was, uh, you know, like eight years old, it was like $400 billion, and now it's in the trillions and trillions. So it, it comes to a point, and even though we're not supposed to agree on things, there comes to a point where we have to start educating uh, taxpayers exactly what's happening. So, no, I, I, I didn't walk away and say, somebody won over the other. Matter of fact, I would so say this, would, this, you, was, you've this also, was... You've I'm also run for Congress... Yeah. Would you have voted against this? I don't think I would have voted against it, no. I thought after okay. just reviewing everything, you know, from top to bottom, I felt it was fair and there's nothing from the details that struck me as something that was exciting or something that would have upset me to say I'm not going to vote. Well, I do think it's interesting because I, you know, I brought the Wall Street Journal with me. and there Which I, I see that, which yeah. is a little intimidating when, somebody's, <laughs> when somebody brings a newspaper in 2023 – Bruce, it's a little scary. I'm going to be honest uh, with you. Like you have an story. iPhone I mean, in front of you. so I, mean, yeah. I, I read online, too. But, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think the headline really says it all. A debt deal that doesn't deal with debt. It's kind of what happened. Yeah. But, again, is it, is it something that, uh, I guess from a political standpoint, do they both get pluses? Does Biden and the Speaker both get pluses on, on working this out? I mean, so Biden I, I said think, yeah, Biden always talked about you know you know bipartisanship. He got bipartisanship. 
you look at the list of people who voted for and against, I mean, you, you see some very well-known names on all of those lists, both yeah. right-wingers and left-wingers. A- absolutely. It's, it's a very interesting mix on that vote, and I th- hope we talk about that a little bit more. But here's the deal. Um, it, it doesn't matter. A, a week from now, nobody cares. No. Nobody's talking about this. This is not even in the top ten of things that... Americans are worried about. At least today, and you're you're absolutely right. Now, in the past, there has been issues when it comes to health care, other major pressing issues, but there wasn't something that really struck out this time around. Mm -hmm. Okay, 1-800-723-8289. That's the phone number. I'm Bruce Dumont standing by, ready to take your calls, as is Professor Mike Miller, if you have any questions about the, uh, the debt ceiling deal. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media, many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
Bruce Dumont back uh, in Chicago on Beyond the Beltway. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Mike, I wanted to ask you a question because you, you, when you were rattling off all the things that are in the, uh, this bill, uh, you mentioned something about $30 billion in unspent COVID money. How does $30 million appropriated billion. by Congress, billion, billion, I meant billion, how does that not get spent? What? what it, it's a what lot happens? of money. And I, I often do an exercise with my students. I said to them, uh, can you spend a million dollars? And I said, yeah, they could buy, you know, they'll buy a couple of uh, supercars or whatever. Yeah. So I said, could you spend a billion? But could you spend it sensibly? And as I get bigger and bigger numbers, it becomes harder and harder to spend. So they allocated money that just could not be spent by anybody in a reasonable amount of time. It was just throwing money at the problem. And they figured the larger amount of money will show that we're serious about fighting COVID. And there's just no way, and especially as COVID becomes uh, less and less and less of a problem, as it did over time, uh, the the need to spend the money goes away. And, and so they allocated, clearly, they allocated way too much money. And I was a little surprised that some people said, oh, no, we can't give that money back. Well, of course you can. You, don't, you didn't need the money in the first place. The don't money spend should be it. put back into the treasury. That's right. And, you know, a, a genie, I think I said that uh, some people have been called radicals on both sides. And I was going to ask, maybe ask Rush this. I, I understand somebody who wants to cut the budget and keep it under control. I'm surprised that there are so many Democrats, and they were all Democrats, who feel that, you know, if you look at the data, we are spending as a percentage of GDP more than we have ever spent before except World War II. And we have a larger revenue source as a percent of GDP than we have ever had since World War II. And so we don't have an, a, a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. And you can't continue to spend during normal times, especially when GDP is growing and the economy has full employment. You can't continue to spend like that as though we're in the middle of a crisis, which we were during COVID. I just, what is in the mindset of AOC and people like this who say that we can't cut anything, you must spend all the money that you can, and it's going to have no consequences. It's not going to have consequences with the Fed. It's not going to have consequences with inflation, which we all know it's going to have consequences both with the Fed and inflation. So Rush, I just, come in, come in. any well, ideas on what they're thinking? Well, the part, Professor, where I respectfully disagree, I mean, we can't really put bad spending habits just on the Democrats. I mean, Republicans historically also oh, no, that, have, have had bad days that, in the no. ballpark where they overspend as yeah. well. Now, when we talk about COVID-19, to be fair, uh, it was such a monumental crisis that the government, I completely agree now, yeah. today we overcompensated, but you know, a year and a half ago, which wasn't a long time ago, it seemed like this was going to be around for a long time. So yes, the government allocated some money, and I do agree that we need to now figure out where to spend the money. Now, the real question is, where do we spend it? I'm, I'm not sure it means we have to, you know, keep the money, you know, in the bank, but there's still many underserved communities nationwide, including here in Chicago. Well, see, there, there, there's there, still educational outlets here in America that are really struggling. Teachers are still gravely underpaid. Police officers are underpaid. So there's still many that's, places where we can put this money. Issue. That's, not a, that's not a federal issue. That's a local well, issue. Well, some is local in some payment of, of some no, is local, that, some that, is federal. It just depends. Mike, Mike, let me ask you this question. When we talk about uh, you know, $30 billion being unspent, and we're talking about Congress, it wasn't just Congress, was it? Wasn't it the administration? Wasn't it the Trump oh, yes. administration? Mm -hmm. I mean, let, yes, let's, let's look at the, at yes. the stewardship 
of finances during and, and, and specifically the way in which COVID was dealt with. Let's look at that seriously under the administration of Donald Trump. What is I, your, I know Jeannie's, agree Jeannie's got some comments on that, but from, from I mean, sure, go ahead. He was, part of that $30 billion, he approved, or his people approved, Munchkin so, or whatever his name was, approved it. Well, here's part of the problem. We never talk about the specific items that they funded or didn't fund with COVID money, and that is the problem. If people understood and had a line item list of what was funded, they would be appalled at how the money was wasted. And I just broke a big story um, because Governor Pritzker gave BLM, Black Lives Matter Lake County, $300,000. Now, the guy that they gave it to and the guy who runs that group, and this was COVID relief money back in 2021, he gives them $300,000. The guy's a convicted felon. And in fact, just six months ago, he, it was adjudicated that he, he, that, you know, he got charged with disorderly conduct. His aggravated assault charge against a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was taken away. But he actually then, you know, was charged with jail uh, bail jumping as well. I mean, this guy's this guy. There's no. What did he do with his money? Well, exactly. What did you do with three hundred thousand dollars? Because guess what? The Illinois budget this year gave him another three hundred thousand dollars. That's not. But when I found that out, here's other things that they funded with COVID relief money. I mean, they funded a stormwater improvements for the village of Villa Park. They water and wastewater improvements. They funded a, a group called like the Elite Striders Drill Team with COVID relief money. And the idea that we can't talk about this, and I'm talking about line item by line item, say. Hell no, this spending is not it's not something meant for COVID relief. I think that we could agree. This has been a colossal waste of money, and it does need to be clawed back. And I'm sorry, but $20 billion is not enough. But, There's a lot of other fraud that has happened. Unemployment fraud we haven't talked about. All that stuff needs to be clawed back and taken care of. We're no. sick and tired of this spending, period. Well, there's no doubt, Bruce, no doubt, that the, as long as we could all agree yes. that when we talk about bad spending – it's not a Republican problem. It's not a Democratic problem. This is a it's government, a government problem. problem that you can't pin it on one person. And you're right. You know, as president of the Arab American Business Association, uh, I have, you know, just like you have experiences, I have intimate knowledge of certain people that got hundreds of thousands of dollars that they absolutely didn't need. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is mind boggling. It's outrageous. But while everyday people like me were like, man, I, I got to sit here and I got to scratch and claw and but figure everything out. And they're just, you know, they own restaurants and they're just getting every grant in the book. Unbelievable. And people are being asked to uh, to apply for some of those things. Now there's lawyers on the air that are talking about, you know, there's all this unspent COVID money. We'll get some of it for you. But again, looking at looking at the country, and, and I, Mike, I want to ask you maybe a historical uh, point uh, about when all this uh, deficit spending started historically in the country. But as I look at it, you have 435 members of the House, okay? Hmm. Let's give them each a million dollars. So that's $435 million to do something to bring home the bacon so everybody can say, this is what I brought back to my district. Now you add another 100 senators. Maybe you give them a little bit more. Maybe you give them twice as much so that everybody has an opportunity to say to their constituents, this is what I've done for you. But everybody's treated oh. equally. No, I oppose all that. I'll tell, tell you me, what, Bruce, tell, I hate uh, the my, idea. My, Go ahead, Mike. I, Mike and then Jeannie. Jeannie I'll tell like you why that. I hate the idea. 
I, I'm sure that there is a, one of those representatives would be from the North Shore of Chicago. And for those who are not uh, up on exactly how Chicago is organized, this would be a very, very wealthy part of, of the of the Chicago region. Yes. The last thing they need is any money from the government. But they, they pay they more into the government. They give more to the care. government. That's, we all pay taxes to, you know, for the military to protect us from adversaries, for the police, for the... So we, we do all that. That's I would, part of the social contract. Jeannie, you're, you're, you're kind so, of, She doesn't like the idea either. I yeah, thought it would no, be nice I, and simple. Oh, no. Everybody gets treated equally. Well, I mean, because yeah. it's it's just abused. You don't know if they're going to be funding their brother-in-law's nonprofit. Well, there for could example. be some. There would be limits to it. I mean, it would all be public. There always seems to be limits oh, to yeah. it, and then there's just not. I mean, look at. I mean, there's so much fraud that was surrounding the COVID nineteen, um, you know, money. And I just, I know I'm opposed. Government public funds for public purposes. I mean, that's flat out in many state constitutions. You can only use public money for public purposes. And when you just hand out the goodies indiscriminately and let them decide if they want to give it to, you know, this nonprofit, that private school, whatever it might be, you know, it, it's just wrong. Well, I did in this past week, I had Especially the opportunity. one worth $31 trillion yeah. in debt. Well, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I was in California for much of the last two weeks, uh, seeing my grandson play Little League for the first time and seeing my, one of my granddaughters graduate uh, from high school and also, uh, get her all gussied up for her prom, but I was at the graduation, and Congressman Brad Sherman, who represents the area, it's in Sherman Oaks, California, he's bragging to several hundred parents and, and over a thousand parents that he's going to bring home $751 million to build a new high school football field. No way. Yeah. Seven hundred and fifty-one million dollars. You could buy a new bear stadium. For no, no, I, I, I miss. I, no, I, I, that I, is I, a I, big, I misspoke. big number. I yeah. misspoke. Yeah. I misspoke. Seven hundred and fifty-one thousand. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Seven hundred and fifty. Oh, okay. But that's that's, cool. that's when the idea is: if every congressman could go back and say, "This is what I brought back to you for less than a million dollars," it seems to me that. Uh, that could be a fair way where everybody would feel that they got a piece of the pie, and it would be up to government to come up with some mechanism to make sure that somebody's not giving it to their brother-in-law, unless their brother-in-law builds football stadiums. But Bruce, you right. know, you know, and I know local politics and, and federal that there's way too much backdoor deals that are made. Too many deals are made. If yes. you vote for this and you support that, I'm going to help you with this and help you with that. Well, how does that change? How does, that's how does, our, that's we, the way that's we, our politics we, works. Yeah, we've got to make sure, which I, I do see an improvement, but we still got a long way to go. We have to keep looking at people that are running for office or per, people currently in office. We have to keep looking at their ethics. We have to put values. Values matter. You know, what is their track record? Are they really working for everyday people? And the voters have got to know, and we got to get good people in and bad people out. That's the only way this is going to work. Jeannie? No, he's absolutely right. It starts by vetting a, a politician at the local level, which is why I'm a big proponent of people running locally so they have a track record before you level them up to Congress. So many people like, oh, I'm meant for Congress. Yeah, we got to run. one 800 More with Mike and the gang when we return. I'm Bruce Dumont. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. 
Fare thee well, Kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. And they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Bruce Dumont back. We will go to calls in just a moment after we let everybody introduce themselves. And we're going to begin with Rush Darwish. Rush? Well, thank you, Bruce. You know, I'm, I really like coming on your show. Well, I like having you uh, on the program. Rush Darwish, president of the Arab American Business Association, also chairman of a group called the Refugee Life Foundation. Uh, we run and walk to raise money for various refugee causes and just came back from a picnic honoring my dad who we lost last year. And that's why I came two minutes late, Bruce. I'm, well, I'm, I, I'm glad that the show got, the got, show kept going. No, you I came so. right. The theme song was just starting. I heard that theme in. song. I heard it. <laughs> uh, question to you. Uh, we're identifying you as a liberal businessman. Is that wrong? Do you consider yourself a... You're, you're generally liberal on this program, but do you view yourself as a liberal? Yeah, I, I think 
naturally because of my background and my upbringing and a lot of the views. And it just, you know, becomes that way. Now, from a, a, a standpoint of business, we operate a small business development center, which is supported by the Illinois Department of Economic Commerce. And we do not operate in any way of Democrat or Republican. When we meet with people, we have to think business. And the minute you inject right or left, then you could ruin somebody's business. So we don't mess with that. Jeannie, I have a little bit about your background for those around the country that may not know. First of all, uh, you are a frequent uh, sitter-in for me when I am... <laughs> yes, and thank you for the honor of that. I mean, you have such a long legacy behind the microphone. <laughs> and to turn it over to somebody like me, I really appreciated that opportunity. It was fun to host the show. Happy to do it again. But um, I'm a West Point graduate, uh, mother of five. I served in the Illinois State Legislature for th- six years, ran for governor, narrowly lost in a primary, and then also ran for Congress. So I have political experience in that way. Um, most exciting, I am a, the mother of a Navy pilot and also another West Pointer. And um, I'm going to get to tour the USS Bush this coming week for Family wow. Day. Oh, so wow. I'm excited about that. Can you take pictures? I will be taking pictures. Taking pictures next time you're on the show. You shared with it. By the way, we should mention, for those around the the country, she she mentioned quickly uh, that that she ran for Congress. Uh, She was the only conservative Republican in the state of Illinois who was so upset with the incumbent uh, moderate to liberal Democrat. She decided, or Republican, that she was going to enter the primary and challenge him. That was uh, Bruce Rauner. So she did it. She got about 48% of the vote. You did very well. It was well. a nail-biter. It was... uh, and uh, so, again, yeah. for all those people that talk about running against an incumbent, she actually did it. And uh, uh, you don't regret it, do you? No, it was a great race. It was uh it was a good race, actually. Okay. Mike Miller, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mentioned that you're retiring at the end of this month after 38 years at uh, DePaul uh, University. 43 years. Yeah. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Years as a, yeah, I'm a product of Pittsburgh. I got my Ph.D. Uh, in economics at the University of Pittsburgh, and I've had one job since then. I, I uh, was hired at DePaul, and... I had a. I have to this date the greatest set of colleagues you could ever want. Extremely open to all ideas. None of the woke craziness. None of the DEI craziness. It's it's economics looked at through the eyes of an economist and reason and so forth. And and so I've had a wonderful career. And uh, I hope to continue some teaching on the side. And I'm not giving up my economics. I will read the paper every day. And and uh, so it's. Uh, and I'm you'll be a regular a guest here on the first life. Sunday of every every month. You're going our economist is you're going to make a yeah. house call uh, via yeah. the satellite or whatever it is. Well, Mike, I tell you, I I do when I talk to my students. The economic way of thinking is such a valuable intellectual tool. I, I I wish almost every student had to take economics just so they could learn about another way of thinking in addition to what you learn in philosophy mm-hmm. and history and so forth. Uh, I think uh, people would be better off with a little bit of that. By the way, I want to say that for those that did not hear the big political news, at least it was the big political news that I heard today, is that uh, Chuck Todd is stepping down from Meet the Press uh, in September of this year after 10 years there. Uh, He is still going to be involved in making decision-making, unfortunately, at NBC, but he won't be hosting Meet the Press and... uh, uh, Ms. Welker is what's uh, first her name? I forgot. Kristen, Kristen, Kristen Welker, Kristen, yeah. who did a terrific job yeah. in, in moderating the yeah. debate. So I've been kind of a fan of hers. So hopefully she will bring a, a sense of objectivity to the Meet the Press uh, gang. And by the way, we're going to take a call in just a moment. But I do want to alert you to something.
something we're going to do in a couple of weeks. On June 18th, which is a couple of weeks from now, that's Father's Day, uh, we're not going to do a Father's Day show, but we are going to do a program on the Kennedy assassination. And I want you to listen up. We're going to have the, 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 the top guy in the country with knowledge of the conspiracy and all the history of the Kennedy assassination. We're going to divide the show up into eight segments so you know that this is a very complicated story. And I realize that there's a generation or two that are not caught up. I mean, it's hard to catch up to this story because it's, it's, it's a complicated story. So we're going to divvy it up. We're going to slice it like a piece of pie. And we're going to take it segment by segment so that you can, you can get involved in the conversation early, learn from it, listen to the next segment. There'll also be an opportunity to call in with questions. But Jefferson Morley of JFK Facts uh, is the guy, and he's, he knows all the facts about the John F. Kennedy assassination. Obviously, it's back in the news again because of comments made by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who believes that the CIA was involved. But you'll make up the decision. He will present some of the evidence to you. That's on June 18th. It's going to be a special show, and I'll tell you why it's special on June 18th. But let's go to calls. John in McHenry, Illinois, is listening to us on our AM station, AM 560. Go ahead. Hey, uh, good afternoon. I said good evening, all. Um, on the debt uh, limit um, bill that passed and was signed yes. into law, yep. um, there was one of the morning shows had Senator Joe Manchin, and he called this legislation a victory as far as the far left and the far right did not dominate this. Um, right. One of you alluded to earlier, you have people like you know Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz voting against it together right. mm -hmm. in the Senate, and in the House you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Chip Roy as all voting against the legislation. Right. So on Manchin's uh, comment, and yes, we all know he did very well with concerning a pipeline, but do you think Manchin is accurate when he says that this was a victory over the extreme right and the extreme left? And also, could one of you address, because I'm not sure what this term fully means, sequestration and the appropriations process? Because my understanding is the appropriations bills are the actual bills that spend the money, not so much mm -hmm. a debt ceiling bill. And maybe one of you all, possibly Ms. Ives, can delineate on what that means. I'll be online and listening. And uh, Okay. We're gonna, we'll let Jeannie uh, respond to it and then uh, uh, Rush and then uh, Mike. Yes, and that's exactly what I, the question I had to uh, Congressman LaHood when I had him on my podcast this week. I said, look, son, you actually are going to be spending the money, and the debt ceiling doesn't even have to be reached if you spend it reasonably. But the truth is is that there are just some things that are on automatic pilot with, uh, with escalators that you, you can't claw back. And so he says they're committed to running those, those 12 budget bills and doing it in a methodical way and making sure that that process is good. He says we're finally getting back to a process where it's going to be 12 budget bills um, and, that, and they're hopeful that the Senate can't do any sort of gamesmanship and that they can actually get something done on that standpoint. But if they don't do it, that's that's the other part of this deal was mm -hmm. that there is a sequestration, so so to speak, where there's only going to be a 1%. There's going to be a 1% cut in, in spending across the board. And it looks like it's going to actually, by the numbers, hit defense a little bit more than non-discretionary. And that is, that is a little bit of a concern. And the, and the chairman of these 12 appropriation committees, uh, they're called the, the, Cardinals, the Cardinals, 
the appropriation cardinals, they really have control of Congress. They have maybe not as much as ways and means, but those are very, very important uh, committee uh, chairmanships to have. Uh, Rush, any addition to that? Well, the only thing I will say is, you know, regarding, we call them the extremist. um, I think overall, yes, if you look at it from the standpoint that this felt like an even deal, it looked like everyone worked together. And you know what? That's a good thing. It's all we've been asking for. So that's why I like reading the articles prior to coming up to the show, who won? But there's no nothing that indicates so, that they work together. It was give and take, and that's okay. And you know what? If there yeah. is such a thing as far left, far right, whatever that means, because we all have issues that we're far left on or far right. But yes, sometimes they're going to be left out. Okay, but I, I but here's the deal. So that they they, you know, they compromised. Okay, they compromised to raise the debt ceiling. Don't they and always we, do though? I mean, we, am I? I know, but don't we all agree that it's got to stop at some point? Yes. And so what's interesting here is why did the far left, like the AOCs, why did they not want this debt ceiling to go through? Because they didn't want work requirements on people that are single, able-bodied adults. They didn't want them to have to work to get their their government benefits. That's I have a problem with that. I think you have to look. You know, if the American people, you know, had more than just a graphic to look at. I mean, if they could listen a little bit past just a, a, a meme, you know, they should understand what were the arguments for and against. We have to get to the point, Rush, where we're talking about solving this issue together rather than just compromising for the midterm. I think that's what, uh, I, what I... Look, I could not agree yeah. more. We, we have to... You said it best. We have to take a hard look as to where our money is going. Mm-hmm. Who needs it? Who doesn't? And that's that's not easy. That's... That's why we can have that discussion all day and all night. But there's no doubt there is a segment of people out there that are getting money and don't need it that should be working. And by the way, there's a lot of opportunities for people out there through education, training, certification, where they will make so much money and have a better life if they just take that step and go out and work versus some of And again, well, some people need it, some people don't. But we have to start getting them out to work because they will be better off for their families and for their lifestyle. I am so happy. I am so happy tonight that we have a conservative Republican, we have a liberal Democrat, we have an economist who joins us, and we're talking about some solutions as well as explaining the intricacies of the budget process of the United States. This is how change happens when reasonable people get together and they talk about it. On Beyond the Beltway, I'm Bruce Dumas, externally. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, a kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. 
I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. It's a bully. But we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. We're going to take one more call, and then uh, we're going to change subjects. Uh, let's go to David, who is uh, listening to us in San Francisco on some device. Oh, thanks, uh, Bruce. Hey, uh, before I got started, <clears throat> I was listening to old radio the other day. Yeah. And they mentioned a Dumont radio, bro- uh, was it Dumont broadcasting system? Was that relevant? Dumont, Dumont television. Dumont, Dumont was a manufacturer of radios and television, and that was my uncle, Alan B. Dumont, who also created the Dumont Television Network, which was the first TV network. So that's the that's where my origin goes, radio oh, okay. and TV. I was, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was listening to The Shadow or one of those old episodes. <laughs> no, he didn't, he, didn't have a, he didn't have a radio network, uh, but he had, a, he had a television network, right? I'll be doing it. Well, they, they mentioned it in some odd context. Hey, well, the um, uh, oh, and you were also talking JFK there. Um, yep. For JFK uh, researchers, um, you know, they just released another trove of them, yep. but there are still hidden documents. Dave, let, let, me, ju- let me just interject. We're going to talk the whole show on the 18th is going to be about that. And again, one thing that Jefferson Morley does, uh, he, he is up to date on all of the information that has been released by the archives, as well as he's well aware of all of the information that is still hidden on the archives illegally. Uh, by the Archivist of the United States. So let's talk about that on the 18th. But did you have anything else to say for today? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was about the COVID money. 
But yeah, the Pepsi uh, angle of the JFK. I, I'm wondering if Pepsi ever did show up. In okay, well, that's research. That's on the 18th. Regarding yeah, regarding COVID, <clears throat> there were two different ways of looking at the economics during COVID. Um, out here in California, they were building highways, and the because nobody was driving during COVID, they were finishing highway projects in in mere months as opposed to year long projects, and so the COVID stimulus money had the opportunity to basically do rebuilding of America, saving hundreds of millions of dollars because things like road projects uh, were coming on faster and under budget. And so it was noticed then that uh, that the Republicans were going out of their way to refuse to do the infrastructure bill, and they were refusing to allow COVID money to be going toward public works projects. And now... And and then at that same time, they released, I think it was a $4.5 trillion COVID stimulus package in April of 2020, and that was to go to the biggest corporations, and that's where the hogged money uh, got stolen. Mm -hmm. And for people to go nickel and diamond against individuals who may or may not have been on unemployment or anything like that, that doesn't come anywhere near that $4.5 trillion. So I, I wish people would keep their eye on the ball of that first uh, stimulus payment because people didn't get the uh, the weekly uh, stipend to keep them home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't even get cre- uh, created until months later. Right. You know, the, the fat COVID. No, money, I think I, the, I, the, the full analysis of, of COVID and <clears throat> the way in which government threw money at the American people, I mean, they're, they're going to be writing books about that for decades. By the way, before we switch gears, I'm going to let you begin this discussion, David. What is your take on the current situation involving illegal immigration? You're in California. You say you're identified from San Francisco which has at least been regarded as you know a, a, a city that is just falling apart. Uh, how would you solve or begin to solve the illegal immigration problem in the country? Well, first of all, I wouldn't use it as illegal immigration. It's uh, America has always been a magnet of freedom. That, that we've but if you break a law, to... you've done something illegally. So let's well, talk according about. to the State Department. According to the State Department, uh, it's not the word illegal is not in there. It's it's an issue of whether they have their papers done right, and whether or not uh, they're they're putting in for freedom, or or whether they're putting in for uh, you know what's what's the measure of their original David. Their original intent was to break the law. So no. if you, if you can't if commit, you're trying to escape, if you can't if, commit. They broke the law. What, or if you can't commit that they broke the law, then I don't think we can get into the next area, which is what should happen. Should they get rewarded for that? Personally, I don't think people that break the law should be regarded. Now, they all have a story about why they came to the United States. I totally agree with that. Some are dreamers. I totally agree with that. I think dreamers probably or should be allowed a passage uh, to, to citizenship. A lot of conservatives do not. I do. But again, in all of these discussions, too many people begin the discussion by refusing to acknowledge that the people we're talking about are lawbreakers. They're lawbreakers, and then let's figure out what we do next. I want to. Jeannie's nodding her head. So is Rush. Let's let's Jeannie, you want to respond to that? 
State well, Department doesn't believe that. No, the, no, the State Department absolutely does believe that they're lawbreakers, and in fact, it's only liberal states like the state of Illinois that have banned the use of the word illegal alien anymore, when actually that is the federal definition of them. Mm-hmm. Instead, they want to call That's them, right. you know, non-citizens or whatever else sophistry that they want to or undocumented. But they came here illegally, and now I'm just as compassionate as most people, but there's a process for asylum. And Bruce, we had somebody from World Relief go through the entire discussion when the Syrian refugee crisis was so intense about asylum. There was a whole process, and that is the legal process for, for, for getting into this country if you have a legitimate asylum um, you know, claim. You do it in the first country that you enter. And it's not America that is their first country. We have a lot to talk about with this I want to issue. get a quick quick response from Russia, and then we'll do it in the second hour. They're not illegal aliens. It's a humanitarian crisis. And if you want to talk about breaking the law, it begins with our government, who historically have done an absolutely disgusting job with creating real laws and creating a real path for people to seek asylum. This is why this is happening, and this is why the government won't do anything about it, because they know they have screwed up and they don't know how to handle it. These okay. are world, world rules on asylum. It's broken laws. I'm Bruce Dumont along with Mike Miller. We will all be back for hour number two, and we're going to be joined by Larry Horace as well, who's going to talk about the presidential primary coming up. Don't go away. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. If you're talking to me, we'll hear you. 
We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Back for Beyond the Beltway, hour number two, and uh, joining Jeannie Ives and Rush Darwish in our studios, we uh, welcome Larry Horace, who joins us from his palatial home in Florida. Larry, nice to have you with us. Uh, we're going to be talking with you about presidential politics in a minute, but uh, we also want to engage you in uh, in the conversation uh, about uh, illegal immigration in the United States. And I guess my question to you is, uh, we're going to start with you. Um, how does that issue play in Florida? How hot a topic is illegal immigration in Florida? Uh, it's a pretty hot topic, even among people who are, you know, Hispanic people or whatever down here. Uh, because, you know, we're a state that gets a lot of uh, people coming in. Now, I will say this. Uh, I heard the last part of the, your show. Let's make it clear. These are illegal aliens. And the fact of the matter is, 80, 90% of them are not eligible for uh, asylum. So that makes them very illegal. So, uh, and you know, any, anybody who has uh, borders, we have to control the borders. We have to know how many. We can't take everybody in the world who wants to be here. You know, we're a lucky country. People want to be here. But uh, we can't just have everybody, and we certainly can't have them just willy-nilly running across our border and then claiming asylum when they're not eligible. And that's, to me, the bottom line. Rush, and what about... Oh, let, me, let me ask you, Rush. Have, Rush, how, how many is too many? Or how many is enough? From around the world that want to come here. They love the United States. They want to come here. When do we say, you can't, we have no more space? I don't know if you could ever put a number on that, Bruce. There's an unlimited amount of people that want to come to this country because uh, they want to escape persecution or they're coming here for the land of opportunity, the American dream. But I want to ask you all a, an important question. Why and how are they coming in? And we're not talking just in the last six months. People are coming in all the time. Why, why is that happening? And I could answer it it's because we have a broken government. There's absolutely no, if we all agree it's illegal and you can't claim asylum, that means we have a broken government. Clearly, clearly for this to be happening, and clearly if we all agree it's illegal, we have a much bigger problem to solve. And until we solve that problem and acknowledge that we have a terrible system in place, and it's not, again, this is not a Republican problem, it's not a Democrat problem, 
But until we acknowledge that the system and the process we have is deeply flawed because people are coming in, we have border control, we have agents, but yet people are finding ways to come in. So we've got to find a way to solve it. And that's why until then, I'm not going to sit here and call these people illegal aliens. All right. Jeannie, and then back to Larry. Jeannie first, your response. Well, well, I can't believe how much I'm agreeing with the liberal rush tonight. You're you're absolutely right. Um, you know, there's it's a broken system. Uh, but like Larry said, okay, like Larry said, these, um, you know, th- these guys are not qualified for asylum. And we have as- asylum rules. And we actually have asylum rules that multiple countries agree to when they're dealing with people in a refugee status. So, I mean, we're not following the rules. The government's not, not following the rules. They are finding their way in, but it's a very dangerous situation. And, you know, for most people that I know, and I think it's true, they respect the law, and they're people who play by the rules, and they expect other people to play by the rules, too. And so there's a, a, a real unfairness with people skipping the line, which is exactly what's going on. Larry Horst, your response. And the first thing I would say is, uh, no, they are not coming here because we have a broken government. We have a broken system, but they're coming here for other reasons. They're coming here, a lot of them for a better life, a lot of them for economic reasons, a lot of them because the life is going to get better jobs or whatever. And that doesn't get you asylum, by the way. But a lot of them are coming to do bad things. We, you know, we know we have a gang problem. We got a drug problem and we got all that and that's exacerbated by our lack of enforcement of our immigration laws we have the laws to, that we can enforce and we should enforce them i mean it's it's almost that simple and i would also say no we have to put a number on it because we can't just say i can't put a number on it so everybody in the world who wants to come in this country can come in this country Without process, without, without process. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't Rush. matter at this point. It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. What is the point of having a number when you don't have a process? A process that is actually working, that is actually functional. Is the, it it is, really is just comes of, down to there, that. Wait, is Gene? I'm going to let you respond to it. Sure. Is there part of this process that could be more efficient with more people with more money? I'm talking about judges. I'm talking about the people that sit an eyeball to eyeball with someone that wants to come to this country and answers questions about whether or not they're eligible for asylum or not. If we, I don't know how many we have, but if we had twice as many of them, would would the backlog be quicker? Would it be smaller? If we had three times the number, is well, that part of the process that needs to be thought out and, and, and had a price tag put on it? Probably so. If we had more people that were adjudicating these claims, probably they would be absolutely sent back to their country of origin because, like Larry said, most of these people do not have qualified asylum uh, claims. So, but but why can't we go back to just uh, President Trump's remain in Mexico policy? I actually think that the Biden administration would like to get to doing that again because they know that they have a problem on their hands, too. And the first country that you pass through to seek asylum Mm -hmm. is the first country that you need to claim asylum. And that's not happening. We have a process. Nobody's enforcing it. How about if we had similar offices in all of the triangle countries so that if people wanted to come to the United States legally to seek asylum or whatever, 
they would have to start that process with, with, with a piece of paper in their home country, and then that's where the processing would begin. We have that, though. We have consulates, we have embassies, we have places where you can go we don't and have fill out the, people, the paperwork. But we don't have the people and the we don't have the people to to deal with the paperwork in those countries. Well, I think that we do. I think that though I think what we have is we have quotas. We have always set down quotas. This number of refugees, this number of people who can qualify for immigration status to come over here legally, we have quotas. And what they want to do is they don't they know that they're not going to get in line. They're jumping the line to get here quicker because they know that there's no enforcement at the border. That is our problem. The first step we have to take is take a look at the underlying issue. Currently, I'm, I'm working with someone uh, at the Small Business Development Center. They came to this country a year ago from Venezuela. And when you speak to her, she would never, ever want to come to the United States. It's the last place that she wanted to come to. The problem that we're having here is we think America is dysfunctional. Oh, no, 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 no. You look at the governments in Latin America, including Mexico. These are governments that are wildly corrupt, wildly dangerous, and it's putting a lot of people in horrible situations where they're running for their lives. So if I'm the United States, right now, what they should be looking at is the underlying problem, is how do we get these governments to function in a way where their economy can be just good enough for the people to stay and work there, work in Mexico, work in Venezuela, so on and so forth. This is the problem, and I promise you, if you can somehow have somewhat of a stable economy in Latin America, nobody's coming to the United States. Nobody wants to leave their home. When we come back, I'm going to get a let, let Larry Horace respond to that, and also we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about some of the newcomers in the presidential primary field, and we'll do that when we continue. 1-800-723-8289. one 800 How does President Asa Hutchison sound to you? Hello. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top-10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. 
Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. If you've been listening to the program tonight, you know that about an hour and 15 minutes ago, we had mutual agreement on this program between our guests. They agreed on the debt ceiling deal. And now during the break, before we get to you, Larry, and we've got an important question, but we had a we had a come to Jesus moment during the commercial break. Rush volunteered to say, you're for DeSantis. I n- wait a second here. What? Bruce, how, this was a, I cannot believe I am being called out during the commercial. What I said was that out of the Republicans is somebody who looks from a, from a fan of politics that, yes, out of yeah. the Republicans, that Governor DeSantis seems to be the more polished Republican out of the field so far. I, I believe that he is a polished version of Trump. And if I were the Republican Party, he is the guy as we speak today. This doesn't mean I'm voting for him. I, I Look, I'm a huge Bears fan, but if Aaron Rodgers throws four touchdowns against the Bears, I'm saying, you know what, that, that guy played a pretty good game. And right now, DeSantos, as a Republican... I feel he's the guy. Jeannie, is that, that what you heard? Yes, that's what I heard. I heard because I know that he's still you liberal. Didn't, you didn't hear an endorsement. <laughs> no, I did not hear an endorsement. <laughs> oh, I heard an endorsement. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, oh, he, I thought he was for DeSantis. I had a, a, a tiny little career, tiny, and it is now, <laughs> it's gone. Thank you, Bruce. You see the, Thank I, you. I just you corrected see, the record for Thank you. you. Do you see these Bruce, six Bruce. things around here? They're, they're, they're called microphones. <laughs> and when you walk into a studio, what you say... Can be heard. These hot, anyway, these hot I didn't. Hey, mean, Bruce, I, I, go ahead, Bruce. Sarah. I didn't hear him. I didn't hear him, but I'm taking it as an endorsement anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Done. I'm finished. Might as well switch parties. Now. Yep. Here we go. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to you. We're gonna we're gonna hold off on that question that we were asking in the last segment, Larry, because you were on really to start the conversation about presidential politics in 2024. Uh, we have asked this uh, for you. Uh, in previous visits to the show, but for those that are experiencing Larry Horst and, and don't read his blog on a regular basis, you're a conservative Republican. You live in Florida. Uh, right. Are you a big fan of the governor? Give us where do you come down yes. on on the pluses and minuses of Ron DeSantis? 
Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the governor. He's done a great job in Florida. It's an outstanding job. The, the electors of the people, the voters saw that and gave him a huge victory, which he well deserved. Uh, but I don't think he's the perfect candidate either. I, I think he's showing a little bit of I'm on the national stage for the first time. And I think he did, has made a couple of little stumbles along the way. But so this early, that stuff's not going to really matter much. What's the stumbles? Uh, not, what what, are you, what stumbles are you talking about? Which ones? Well, I think the Disney thing was not the greatest idea in the world. Okay. And I, I, th I think he could have, you know, certainly slapped down Disney for coming out on a controversial issue the way they did. But I think I probably would not have gone after their business practices after all these years. Uh, I thought <clears throat> that was a little too much. Um, other than that, I, th I think he's good. I don't think he should follow in Trump's footsteps, though. I don't think he should be out there trying to get the Trump vote because that hardcore Trump vote, he ain't going to get. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, some people put it up there 20, 30, 40, 50. I think it's about 15 to 20 percent of the hardcore vote. Right now, I think uh, Trump gets a lot of sympathy polling numbers, but I don't think that 40, 50 percent are going to vote for him. I don't think is he's got sympathy, a 50 is the, is the sympathy vote for Trump, in your opinion, Larry, based on on the the apparent ganging up by legal authorities to, to trap this guy in something and send him off to prison? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I always say, gee, I'm going to have to defend Trump against my own good judgment because I see the things he's done and I'm critical of Trump. I'm not a great Trump fan. Right. But at the same time, I see what the Democrats are doing, which is corrosive to the system. It's corrosive to law enforcement. It's corrosive to all kinds of things. I see what the media is doing. Which, you know, when you go on MSNBC, that is hardcore left-wing propaganda all day long. And so I feel I have to rise <laughs> and, and, and complain about that. Uh, and what about Fox News? I, it's Fox, well, he well, Fox does, News. He doesn't Fox News what? leans to the right. Fox News okay. leans to the right. Mm -hmm. CNN leans to the left. But MSNBC is way over in la-la land. They're just outrageously crazy. Okay. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Jeannie, I'm going to come back to you, but I'll let you start the conversation. Who, in your view at the moment, are the viable challengers to Donald Trump? Just if there's only one name, no name, whatever it is, is anybody a viable challenger to Donald Trump? Uh, the only name is really Ron DeSantis. Governor okay. DeSantis has a record to run on. And, uh, you know, but Trump... I mean, it's really hard to dispute that he's he's he may be the nominee because you've got 50 percent of the Republican people that are going to make the decision. These are primary voters. Uh, they're going to show up and vote. And he's he's winning it by 50 percent at this stage. I mean, nobody is even close. But so. no, but no one no one has really taken a big swing at him. I mean, Asa Hutchinson a couple of weeks ago in the wake of the New York verdict, uh, he took a little swipe at Trump, but it didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of coverage. And I don't know whether so, there's many people that yeah. believe him as viable. But again, a name that is out there that is supposedly going to be announcing this week is going to be Chris Christie. Now, if you've watched Chris Christie on ABC. Uh, he's he's frequently critical of Donald Trump. He's bombastic. I don't think he's afraid of Donald Trump because he knows a lot about him. 
uh, is he a guy? If someone like Donald, like like Chris Christie, goes out there, Rush, and literally beats the hell out of him, does will that not gravitate, pull to him, galvanize all the people out there that really do not like or want no. Donald Trump? The answer is yeah. no. I, I okay. think right now Donald Trump and it, and and I've been more critical of Donald Trump out of anyone that I know. But um, he is just a force in the Republican Party. I don't know why. I think he's the worst thing that the Republicans want out there. Because who, if he is, if he is the Republican presidential nominee, uh, I, I think this is just going to give it, give it to the Democrats. Even, even with President Biden, as much as we want to be critical of him taking falls and all that kind of stuff. Now, if I were the Republicans, you know, we're talking about, you know, DeSantos, but I think it's it's Vice President Pence that should be the one that I would see as the sleeper in all this because he's the one who worked with Trump. He would be the one to be the most credible voice as somebody who's worked intimately with him in the White House that can give his talking points as to why but his, why Donald he's Trump... Boring. He's boring, but you know what? There's conservative America that really love him. I mean, he is really what I call okay, like so he is... Whatever, here's for the problem. I mean, and, and you what? should know this, right? You got to win the primary. Got to win the you primary. You cannot run in the general until you win the primary. Absolutely. And the only other challenger that is, can come close to Trump is DeSantis yeah. because he has a hell of a record to run on. And money. And, and the money. And he's got the money. But he's I, got I, big I would, backers to it. I Yeah. I, Larry, anyway. go ahead. Yeah, I, I just did a commentary that I think the guy to watch is Christie. Christie can be a benefit to DeSantis or he could be a disaster. Christie's the one guy, I think, who could jump into third or second place with double digits. I think so. And I that's going to be meaningful. The, the second thing is he's a fighter. He is going to kneecap Trump. And that could be the Dan DeSantis benefit, or it may just put Christie in such a lead that he takes DeSantis out for not kneecapping Trump. Yeah. But I think I think Christie's going to be the guy to well, kneecap him. But Christie, and we also Christie, have to Christie, Trump. Christie, Christie could also kneecap DeSantis just like he kneecapped Rubio of uh, eight years <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah. He, he's a great campaigner. He is a very persuasive campaigner. He tells it like it is. That's how the people see him. So I think he's coming on. I don't think uh, Pence has a chance. I, I think he's, you know, I love Pence. I think what's he was a great Christi, congressman. What's Christie's finances looking at? Anybody know that? I mean, no, we he, don't know. does he have really the, the financial <laughs> we muscle? We don't know that yet. He will certainly have the media because anyone starts that to really go after Trump, they're going to get all kinds of free media. Now, the question is, can he turn that into enough donors? By the way, to be a part of the uh, Fox News RNC debate in August of this year, you have to demonstrate that you have 40,000 donors, mm -hmm. donors of all of all shapes and sizes, in addition to showing a 1% in, in at least three polls. Uh, so I think he could probably get to the 3%. Uh, 40,000 supporters is, is, is tough to get. In fact, I'm going to tell you just a quick story about Nikki Haley. At the beginning of this process, okay. I really liked Nikki Haley. I still like Nikki Haley. I think she, she would be a great vice presidential candidate, and that's not meant to dismiss her. But a couple of months ago, about, about six weeks ago, I answered a poll that was sent to me. They, it was unidentified who the poll was from, but I ticked off and answered the poll and sent my, my, my name back. And literally uh, what I discovered was that that poll was, uh, was a Trojan horse for Nikki Haley. 
And so she began to ask for money. She began, and then her husband began to ask for money. I get 10 solicitations a week, I'm sorry, a day from Nikki Haley asking me for money. And a couple of weeks ago, it was donate $5 and we'll get a Nikki Haley t-shirt. Last night, believe me, it's down to $1. She doesn't know I'm a media person, mm-hmm. but I answered a survey, $1. That's how desperate these lesser known candidates are to get to that 40, I mean, 40,000, I guess if I that's gave right. her a dollar, it, it would count for one of her 40,000. But that's how desperate, and she's been running She's been running for, what, seven or eight months now. So getting the money is not going to be easy. Uh, but I agree with you that I think that uh, the one that the media will like the most will be uh, will be Chris Christie. And by the way, when I see the vice president, a uh, born-again Christian, you know, riding around on a motorcycle, I'm wondering, wait a minute, who am I, who's the authentic vice president of the United States, former vice president. And, you know, I just, I I don't think it's Mike Pence. Back shortly. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably... Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance, early and often, on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, 
as well as how and why as a young person they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Bruce Dumont back with Beyond the Beltway. Jeannie <laughs> Ives and Rush Darwish in studio with me. Larry, Hurst, uh, Larry Horace joining us uh, from Florida. We have some callers on the line. Let's go to them right now. Sam is listening to us in the important state of South Carolina. Go ahead, Sam. You're on the air. Yes, Bruce. Uh, I have a comment and a question, please. Yes. I just don't know how anybody can call themselves a liberal businessman when if liberals have their way, this country will be turned into a third-world Marxist hellhole like Cuba or Venezuela, and there won't be any business. And I have a question for well, you, let's, liberal let's, let's, as let's, well. let's, let's let them respond to that, and then uh, you have a question as well? Yes. Go, what's the question? Go ahead, Sam. Why should people like me, who have their own children to support, and have to write out thousands of dollars worth of checks to the IRS every year. Why should I have to do that to take care of illegal aliens and their children? Well, first, Sam, when you and what, just, just, just so somebody like your liberal businessman, quote unquote, let's can have cheap labor. Let's let him respond. More consumers for his product. Let's let him respond. Okay. Well, first of all, it's, it's low. You have two loaded points, but point number one: uh, when you're a businessman. A real businessman is not a liberal or a Democrat. And when I work with people who want to start their business or me, I own a business as well. We do not operate as a liberal or a Democrat. However, uh, when you talk about handouts, Sam, are, are you kidding me right now? All these big corporate uh, corporations uh, around America that don't pay a, a lick of taxes. What about them? What do you what do you call them? They're supposed to be, you know, right leaning companies that are able to get away and not be able to pay a dime into taxes. And, and you're talking about me being a liberal businessman? Come on, Sam. Who are we kidding? You call him American. Yeah, I got, I got to blow the whistle on Larry Horace. Let me respond, please. First of all, I got to blow the whistle on this one. Corporations never pay taxes. The people who buy the goods and use the services pay the taxes. They're passed through the consumer. It's a terrible, terrible system to think that we stick it to the corporations. Anyway, but on the other thing, you know, I don't mind paying for people in need. I, you know, I think conservatism is compassionate. But the idea, we have to remember that a lot of those people, the biggest demographic coming across the border are single males. They're not bringing the kids. And then the kids are being thrown over the fence or over wherever. Um, so, you know, I don't have a problem with taking care of them. But I think that the purpose should be right. If you're eligible for asylum, okay. If you're not, no. But the single males are, are not coming to the United States to sit and watch TV. They want to work, uh, but they come to this country. And as we've been talking about this entire show, there is no system in place to make sure that they could work. 
or they could have those opportunities out there. So they kind of get stuck. It's Do really just screwed up. Do they take jobs away from other people? Do they yes, jo- 100%. Absolutely, absolutely not, because let's the jobs hear, that are out there. From, let's hear from Jeannie first. Nobody wants those just jobs. Jeannie, you yeah, say they take jobs away from You're true, others. but if we didn't have such a generous welfare state and allow single, able-bodied men and women, okay, no children, single, able-bodied men and women, to reap the benefits of a welfare system, guess what? They ought to be working, too. And but so they, they should be taking those are. jobs. Entry weight, no, they're not. They are yes. not working. They, they yes, are not they, working. Yes, they are. They are working. Okay. People who come to this country, I, they're, they are. Here, they're here I'm to pursue the American dream. Well, but we're need talking to about, and that's fine, the Americans. We, are, we, we agree. We have a lot of Americans in this country that are milking the system. But right. the people that are crossing the border illegally, are here because yes, they want they to work. They are desperate for work. Just a second, Larry Horace. Work that everyday Americans don't want. Hold it, everybody. Hold it. Hold it, everybody. Everybody. Larry Horace, go to you. Okay. I, I got to give one little economic lesson here. Anybody who comes to this country, legal or illegal, who has a job, does not take a job away. They create a job. They become a consumer producer. That's why we had 30 million people in the 1860s. We got 330 million people now, and we have jobs for them because every working person. But if they're not working and they're only a consumer of benefits, then that's a problem. Uh, We agree. Anybody who comes to the country with a job creates a job as a consumer producer. Okay. Go ahead, Sam. Last word to you. Last last word to Sam. Last word to Sam, then we're moving on. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, if everybody is working so hard, why did California just pass a law today that if an illegal alien is in this country and they have made $1,300 a pay, they can draw $300 per week in unemployment? It's BS. It costs us in every way, estimates are $140 billion a year. We cannot take care of the whole world. A question to you. If you want to end up like Cuba, if cheap labor made these countries great, Mexico, Cuba, and Venezuela, and all these other countries, Nicaragua, Honduras, they'd all be great. Thank you, Bruce. Well, I'll quite understand before you go. Stay on the line. You still there? Sam, are you there? Yeah. Oh, well, cheap well, labor made China the second most powerful economy in the world. <laughs> well, let's go you're to, absolutely uh, right about that, Larry. But my point what? is, is that you know they also do uh, expand the labor force, and we need. Look, there's plentyful jobs yeah. around, but we need, you know, we we need Americans to be working as yeah, well. But, you we know, certainly look, do. Look, and you've got another working. issue. You have an issue as well with corporate America bringing in, you know, people that are taking jobs. From our more um, our more educated workforce as well. There's an issue there. And by but the Republicans, way, but Republicans in the House, when they when they had much more control than they do right now, I'm talking about under Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan is the one that really killed the idea of uh, of verified voting, of e-verify. E-verify to me is if you're if you're not, if your company, and I don't care how small it is. But if your if your company is not dealing with e-verify, you're not serious about trying to solve the problem. There is a responsibility of an employer, in my view. You don't hire people that are not eligible or legal to work in this country, and e-verify is there to protect that. But it, it's base it's the Chamber of Commerce with their power within the Republican Party that has killed that for for 20 years Okay, now. sure, we need to get there, because guess what we all have to have? We have to have a real ID now to even travel 
on an airplane. So everybody should be verified. There should be a, there should be that that should happen for sure. Now, can I bring up one thing here though? I mean, uh, let's be honest with you. Illinois just passed a law that said that non-citizens can be police officers. Does anybody have a problem with that? I do. I do. I mean, it's one thing to be here and be have a green card, be here legally, have followed all the rules, fine, and you're on a path to citizenship, or maybe you're not. Maybe you just want to have that residency status, which we do allow for years after years, like my sister-in-law, oh, by the way. Um, and it's, she's not gotten so, so you're saying if yet. somebody has their green card, you're saying they still are not eligible to be a police officer. That's right. Because why should you have arrest authority over a citizen when you're not a citizen? I have a problem with that. Well, the biggest problem we have right now is there's a lot of shortage everywhere for police officers. And here you have people that want to step up, and you have also people that want to serve our, our military as well, and we welcome them, don't we? The military is a little bit different because they're How? under the Why? direct direction of a of a, of a of a of a different system. But they don't. And in the military, you do not have arrest authority over a non citizen or over over a citizen. And I think that that's. But that's where we're believe, headed. Well, wait this a second, here, Jeannie. The, the, but may I just say something ahead, here? Here, all I hear from Republicans is that these people are coming into our country and they're criminals and they're they're here to kill and, and do harm. But yet here we're saying that you're okay with the same type of people that we don't know about, but yet they can serve our country, but yet there's no chance that they would hurt anybody in the military. It, no, it doesn't, I, I it mean, doesn't make that, any sense to me. That's, 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 that's a canard. That's, yeah, because we don't, no, we don't sit there Larry. saying everybody in coming in is a criminal. There are criminals coming no, in. The Repub- too many the Republicans, the Republicans, the Republicans. No, 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 this no, no, is this BS. is their led, led by led by Donald Trump, by the way. Led by they're coming no, in our country. No, criminals, rapists. Blame Donald Trump, your boy. No, no, you're, you're just all putting words. a narrative, a political narrative out there. That's Sorry, just BS. since Sam called me a liberal no, liberal businessman, now I'm just hot about it. Call me a liberal businessman, Bruce. Well, no, but no, but the, the idea of being Donald is Trump that said. Go ahead. we have to deal with the criminal and the drugs as part of the open border problem, and we're not doing that either. And nobody is saying that all these people are criminals or you know whatever. Uh, a lot of them are good intention; they're good people. The problem is too many are in here now without jobs, and that's a problem for the economy. That's, you know, they're giving welfare. So we say, we say the president says, don't come here, don't come here, please don't come here. And then they give all the carrots they want to get them here, the welfare, the schooling, the everything uh, to get them here. And I don't think we can go out and fix the economies of all these countries like mm-hmm. he says what are we going to do go back to colonial days are we going to go back and take over these countries okay. and say you don't know how to run your country we're going to run it for you Larry a question for you uh, Vivek Ramashami who was the guest on this program last week he wants US troops on the board he wants the US military to be used to enforce the laws uh, which would mean you'd have to have a repeal of posse comitatus. But how do you feel yeah. about the use of military troops to stop illegal immigrants from coming to the country? I have really mixed feelings about that, although I believe that we have to do something to stop people from coming into the mm-hmm. country. Now, if that means walls, if that means barriers, if that means a lineup of National Guards people or whatever, uh, I think we're going to have to do that. And we're going to have to show that you cannot get in. 
the best way to discourage people from coming to the border is not to say don't come and then give them a whole bunch of reasons to come. Right. It's to say don't come and you ain't going to get in. That's why you shouldn't come. Yeah. Or at least go through the legal process. Jeannie, okay, I just want to add this at the very end here. Look, the Fox poll out for Biden on border security, Biden on border security, 63% disapprove. That is what's going to cause a, a problem in 2024 for them. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly with one more segment, and we got callers on the line. Don't go away. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, a kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Matthew. Oh, oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
Last week was a big week for President uh, Biden insofar as uh, the debt ceiling deal. But again, uh, he went out to deliver a speech to the Air Force Academy out in Colorado, and uh, he tripped up a little bit. And here is the president, for those watching us on TV. Uh, here he is shaking hands. I guess we're going to see this in slow motion because we're watching it on uh, YouTube or something. He's about to make a move, and here he goes, and down for the count. All right, now, Rush, when you saw this, what was your immediate react and by the way i don't mean to make fun of anybody that falls i'm an older guy myself i've fallen several times there's nothing funny about an old man falling but it does have political implications just go back remember when hillary clinton fell in new york on a 9-11 and what happened in her polling and donald trump's polling after that it shows a frailty my question to you is, as a Democrat, what's your reaction when am, you saw I this? I am deeply concerned. I am deeply concerned because COVID-19 protected Joe Biden at the time. He was a candidate that was kind of behind the scenes. He had that legacy behind him, and he was able to campaign little. But it ended up being a wonderful game plan because they ended up voting for him in, in southern states. So now he does not have COVID. He has to be out there. And, yes, I um, I am concerned because President Joe Biden not only falls, he also flops on his words. And I don't think for Joe Biden his weakness will be the economy. I don't think it's going to be immigration. I really don't. My number one concern with Joe Biden is if he does not show that he has the proper motor skills during the campaign, it absolutely will hurt him, and it does worry me. And I do not want to hear anything where anyone says, well, have, have the vice president, have Kamala Harris come in. Equally bad, and that's why I'm worried Joe, uh, Joe Biden needs to prepare. He needs to be very careful with his words and need to make sure that he is in control because a lot of times, cognitively, he does not seem in control, and that is a problem. And well, I, and I, I Jeannie, so. go ahead. Jeannie, Jeannie and then Larry. Okay, real quick. Uh, so, I mean, as much as I want to agree with Rush, hey, they elected John Fetterman. <laughs> Come on. So, that's one I mean, state, that's though. The, the voters, I don't know. I don't know. No, but he no, 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 well, the I, voters I, elected Fetterman. Yes, I, I know. That's, I, I agree yeah. that man he had he had his own mental issues as well, and nobody he still got elected. Larry, I I, I would say he's he's only a senator though. But the, the, the guy's the president. I'm of the belief, frankly, that anybody's going to beat Joe Biden in, in the next election because it's not just a matter of people say, well, he's looking at him. He's, he's 80 years old and he's yeah. you know good shape. He's got to be in good shape six years from now. And I think he gets defeated by two things, age and Kamala Harris, because people are going to look at that and say a vote for Biden is a vote for a Kamala Harris presidency because the odds of him finishing a second term are way bad for him. And I think the public understands that. He's already lived beyond life expectancy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he's in my, the red zone. My, my, people my age, he's my age, by the way. People my age go to hospitals. They get things suddenly. That man, I will almost oh. bet you, will not last okay, six well then, years. Okay, well, Donald Trump is no better. Donald Trump is, what, three years younger? Than if, then, yeah, Donald Trump. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to defend Trump on age. I, I'm gonna, I'll beat no, up on I'm, him, too. I'm going <laughs> to say one thing, because I've, I've alluded to uh, 
you know, the uh, the bump on my head, the hole in my head because of a skin cancer Mohs surgery a few weeks ago that has not yet healed. And uh, I have vertigo from time to time. And I now walk with a cane. I don't need it for my legs. I need it for my balance. And I would say that, you know, people may think, well, Bruce is older, older. The point is, I think Joe Biden should have a cane. There's a lot of people who have canes in the United States. Now, maybe it reinforces that you're old, so you don't want to see him with a cane. But I will tell you, with a cane, I can walk at a pretty quick, uh, you know, gait. I'm not, I don't think I'm walking like an old man without a cane. You see a cane, maybe you think uh, that I'm older. But I think the president you know, should have a, but, he okay. should walk with a cane so he doesn't look so feeble in the way he walks. Will that but help Russia's with the speeches? Let me tell you about a commentary I just wrote. Okay. I'm 80 years old. I bowl four times a week. I play tennis. I jump out of airplanes. I'm in great health. At the end of the day, I'm not fit to be president of the United States because I've already seen weaknesses coming in, like you have talked about. Right. Now, I, 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 I'm in better shape than the president of the United States is, but at the same time, I don't think I'm going to be in that same shape six years from now. No. I think it's insane to vote for anybody. I'm, I'm a Jimmy Carter guy on this issue. He said, no one over 80 is fit to be president of the United States. And I'm with Nikki Haley for putting a constitutional amendment in to limit not being able to run for president after the age of 75. That's what well, I don't I don't like that idea. But <laughs> uh, look, I mean, there's there's multiple problems here. Look. The Democrats own Joe Biden. They, they're they the ones who put him in, in, in power. They're the ones who own it. This is all Joe Biden. But there's so many other issues to talk about. Uh, his, his feebleness, look, Franklin Roosevelt, he was in a wheelchair. Everybody knew it. But his mental acuity, his corruption, his terrible policies, those are going to be the undoing of Joe Biden. And the Democrats own him. They're the ones who put him in power. Rush. And we cannot let that if slip if by. Donald Trump and Joe Biden have a rematch, I do agree. Joe Biden is vulnerable, but all he needs to do is sit back and let Donald Trump run his mouth. As long as as long as he lets Trump do the talking, Joe Biden's gonna win. He and did if, it the first time, he'll do it again. And if he demonst- if Trump demonstrated discipline, what would happen? Well, his extremist base, the fifteen percent, then won't support him. So he'll end up losing. Trump's in a bad spot. So who would you put your money on? I would ten seconds. Well, it's going to be Trump, but I mean, who's the best? I think DeSantos, out of the Republicans, is the best bet. One year from now, we'll be real close to the Democratic convention and the Republican convention. Let's hope that everybody is alive and well. Then everybody is. Yours truly. I'm Bruce Dumont. Our thanks to Larry Horace. Larry, thank you for joining us. Uh, Rush Darwish, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, our liberal Democrat uh, who said nice things about Ron DeSantis, <laughs> although he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't use the I, E word. I, I, I thought I heard the E word, but no maybe word. that was just my ear. When, when, uh, I see, when I see the governor, I'm going to tell him about this. <laughs> Jeannie Ives as well. Our thanks to Fritz Coleman for his assistance in the production nice of the program. Dan. Good night from Chicago.
Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today, here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra. An exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So don't-